Hi, everyone. Before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know about my new on-demand course for discovering and developing core values. On this podcast, I've chatted with many guests about the importance of incorporating core values in their life and career. High achievers will tell you it's the key to many of their accomplishments. I get asked a lot by readers of Friday Forward and Elevate about the best way to do this, and I haven't had an easy answer to date. This course is that way. The course walks you through a tested method to help you brainstorm, refine, and test a list of personal core values. The course can be completed in about an hour, but it will prompt plenty of reflection and work in the days, weeks, and months that follow. Start discovering the principles that matter most to you and get better alignment. You can learn more about the course at corevaluescourse.com. I hope you check it out at corevaluescourse.com. Now let's get to the episode. When I was 10 or 11 years old, when I was playing the game EverQuest, I was part of a team or a guild. And you know, in real life, in business, you got to be a part of really good teams. You got to be exceptional. Like, I know, you know Bob, you, you obsess over culture and I, it's super important, right? I, I learned that culture at that age where you know, I was 10 or 11 years old and um, the people on the team were lawyers or people that were like rich people that owned planes, right? Or people that were in college. So significantly older than me and I was accepted by them. You're listening to the Elevate Podcast and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Ishita Servista, to level up your life, it's important to level up your mind. Our guest today, Eric Sue, is a true expert on leveling up in marketing and life. He's an investor, founder, and advisor to many companies. He's the chairman of Single Grain, a digital marketing agency that has worked with companies such as Amazon, Uber, and Salesforce. He also hosts two podcasts, Marketing School with Neil Patel and Leveling Up. And he's the author of a brand new book, Leveling Up, that we'll be releasing the week you hear this episode. Eric, welcome. It's great to have you on the Elevate podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. So super, it's been a long time and uh, yeah, glad to at least reconnect here. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad we made it happen. So I, I always like to start at the beginning uh, and you have a really good story about your early years. What, why do you describe yourself as being, uh, and I think this was a quote, a social and academic failure? Yeah, I mean, it's when I think about my childhood, it was, you know, all I was good at was playing games um, and just nerding out on the internet. So I explored the internet, then I found games. And I, I just remember fourth grade, I got a D in division <laughs> and it was my birthday and my dad wouldn't talk to me. So I, I felt kind of, you know, not acknowledged by either of my parents and they didn't really ask me about why I was so interested in gaming. So I, I felt very invisible and also being kind of a, you know, when you're, you're a minority, you do feel invisible as well, um, even though I grew up in a school full of Asians. But I was really only accepted by the quote-unquote cool groups because I was good at games, and that became more socially accepted gradually. Uh, but, you know, to my my parents, my parents' friends and all that, and even, you know, to my other friends kind of growing up, you know, I've, I heard words such as, you know, Eric, that guy never had anything going for him. And, you know, look at him now, right? And that's great and all, but I, you know, when you grow up the way you're programmed, is from all those experiences. And that's really kind of kept me going with a, with a chip on my shoulder. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, didn't start dating until like my, my twenties, even though girls, weird things would, would happen, right? I'd rather play games. I remember a girl asked me to Sadie's in, in high school. And I was like, yeah, I think if I go, I'm going to go alone, or I think I'm just going to play this game. Right. So that's just how I was. I just wanted to, I was obsessed with, you know, the, the world of games. So that was early for gaming, wasn't it? I mean, it's not, it was not what it was today. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it was really um, the seed of, of what would become today because that was when I was about nine or ten years old. Online gaming started to become right. a thing, so you could play Quake. You, you know, Counter Strike came out a couple years ago. All these strategy games, and then I was playing this game called EverQuest, which is the precursor of the World of Warcraft. Gaming really hasn't changed that much. Yeah, it's just the connected aspect of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, my kids are playing. I hear other kids in the background. I, I think that's the one thing is the socialization of of it is has has changed a little bit. And look, it's been a lifeblood for people during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely growing. I think it's you know during the pandemic you're, you're locked down and everything. I think it's um, by the way the social aspect. You know, back then we we were connecting with people. Um, you know, through um, we had headphones and we were actually communicating and we're you know we're either talking to each other or typing to each other um, and we'd hang out with each other on forums, right? So there definitely was kind of an underground community aspect to it. We didn't have Discord like people have today, but we had IRC, we had Internet Relay Chat, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. And so it was all there. And that's why I was so tied to it because of the community aspect, because I, that was re- really where I felt like I, I belonged. And again, like, you know, not having my parents ask me, like, why are you so interested? What are you learning from it? That really hurt. And that's what caused me to go into it even more. You also got into poker, right? Yeah. I mean, poker was, um, yeah. I mean, in college, <laughs> I would end up playing 14 to 18 hours a day. But yeah, happy to go into that if you want. I don't see a lot of class in that time period. Well, no, I'm curious. So I always find with people that are entrepreneurial that the skills that they were showing or the things that they were showing that they do well were not rewarded, right? as you say, by parents or in the classroom. Like, what do you think the skills and the things you were really good at where people were not showing you how to apply that yeah. but telling you not to do that? Oh, my God. Like, when I was 10 or 11 years old, when I was playing the game EverQuest, um, I was part of a team or a guild and, you know, in real life and business, you, you got to be a part of really good teams. You got to be exceptional. Like, I know, you know, Bob, you, you, you obsess over culture and I, it's super important, right? I, I learned that culture at that age where, you know, I was 10 or 11 years old and um, the people on the team were lawyers or people that were like rich people that owned like planes, right? Or people that were in college. So significantly older than me. And I was accepted by them. And the things we would go out and do, nobody else could do on the server. You had a server of 3000 people. And it's only us day in, day out doing this type of stuff because we were willing to put in the work that everyone else wasn't. So you learn resilience, you learn communication. Um, you learned just all these different things. You learn how to grind things out, right? Just life's not that easy sometimes. You learn um, kind of interpersonal dynamics, all these things. And they kind of carried over. What I would say is probably one of the most helpful games I played is actually poker. If you look at some of the top investors in the world, let's use uh, Chamath Polyhepatia as an example, or Jason Calacanis, David Sachs, these guys, they call themselves the besties. They play poker all the time with each other. And I remember one time I got involved in a Twitter thread with, um, so there's a guy named Heaton Shaw. And you know I was just talking about how business is like, uh, or poker is like business, right? And he responded, he was like, while you're playing poker, I'm playing business. Mm-hmm. And then I, I brought Chamath into the thread. And I was like, hey, how much does poker actually help with real life? He's like, boom, everything, right? It's like, you learn all the things I mentioned earlier. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, 
available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Harvard Business Review provides information, tools, and practical advice on leadership, management, and strategy through the hbr.org website, their print publication, and their podcast. hbr.org is your go-to for leadership and business management articles. A recent favorite is stop eliminating perfectly good candidates by asking them the wrong questions. Then there are other world-famous case studies, which premium subscribers can access as well. HBR produces a number of leading podcasts from HBR on leadership to my favorite, the HBR IdeaCast podcast. A subscription to HBR also includes access to videos, the big idea, HBR magazine, and a wide variety of newsletters. While much of the Harvard Business Review content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code ELEVATE right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code ELEVATE to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and business. What a strategy, math, like you know, yeah. negotiation skills, how to but, control your emotions, how to yeah. control your bankroll when uh, thinking in bets, thinking long-term like an investor, it's all in there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And, and I, this will resonate with you. I have, you know, two high schoolers right now. One is in the middle of all the testing and the college stuff. And I, I just see how much time they spend trying to fill in the right bubble or the correct answer when almost everything that I do. And I think this is true in marketing and creative is, is come up with solutions where there is not a right answer. <laughs> there is not an A, B, C, or D. It is a, you know, we, we need an E uh, or an F. And and how counterintuitive that is to a lot of our traditional education system. I mean, most stuff is not black and white. It's mostly gray. Yeah. I, I think a decision-making, right? And and when you, when you see a lot of people in the company, you know, you say, look, it's usually, it's A or B, or we split the baby between A. <laughs> you know, those, yep. those are always the three decisions, not like, uh, I've talked about uh, this guy who's, you know, with the fourth choice. Like, what is the one that is not related to A or B or splitting the the baby? Because those are usually the very standard, you know, multiple choice answers that everyone's given. Yeah, and life's just not like that, right? And that, that's the beauty of these types of games. Like, you're, you're taught how to fail, and you're taught how to fail forward, so... Yeah. So how did you get into marketing and what were what were your first jobs before you decided to start your own agency? I assume because you became unemployable pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So just to recap the the, the kind of, um, you know, social and kind of academic failure piece, yeah. I almost got kicked out of high school because I didn't want to go to this required class my senior year. Um, what class was it? I think it was like an art history class, something okay. like that. <laughs> I just wasn't interested. So I stopped showing up. And then college, I was almost kicked out my first year because I was spending too much time playing World of Warcraft and poker. And so I got, I had six withdrawals, I think. And I had like two Fs. I think it was something like that, or maybe a little less, but it was just bad, right? <laughs> I was subject to dismissal the first year. And then I remember in college, I was working somewhere and one day it was raining. I didn't want to go to work because <laughs> it was raining. And then they fired me. That's completely my fault, right? Um, and then I got fired a couple years later um, from a company called Break Media because they found, I got bored at the company. So I was doing my work. I was doing a pretty good job, but 
they found out I was trying to start a business on the side. So I was trying to start a consulting thing on the side. One of the leads reached out to the front desk and boom, I was fired. So were um, you competing with them or was it just something no, really different? Yeah. It was like total. Okay. They were like a media company and I was trying to do a consulting thing on the side where I was helping people with yeah. SEO. But anyway, short answer to your question would be, I got into marketing because the first job I got coming out of the financial um, crisis was a dead end data entry job. And my friend who now works at Airbnb, she was like, oh, you should check out this digital marketing thing, picked up an internship there. And from that point on, I was hooked. Just like I was addicted to games, I was now hooked on something that could add value to the world. And then from there, I never looked back. And so you started your own agency, uh, Single Grain. And oh, I didn't start it, by the way. Oh. So we were just talking about Neil before this, right? So um, Neil was actually a partner in the company in addition to three other people. So there's okay. four partners. They brought me in to help save the company because... Um, the service, the work that we were doing became invalid because the, the agency was primarily an SEO agency. And so because I had helped turn a startup around, um, Neil was like, oh, you should try help to save this company. I was like, oh, A, I'm not interested in agency at all. B, I thought my, my poo-poo didn't stink because I came from tech. But then, then I, was, I, I thought about it more. I was like, whoa, you know what? If I can help turn this company around, I can do anything because it's it's not working anymore. Everything's going downhill, like the, the people we might have to change the people to. So it's like basically flying a plane while trying to adjust the engine. And so I decided to take the risk. And then um, I basically, six months into it, Neil and the other partners wanted, they said, hey, let, let's shut the thing down. And Neil's like, dude, there's no brand equity here. There's nothing. Um, and I said, hey, let me give it a shot. So I basically paid $1 for Neil's shares and another dollar for another partner's shares. And then the rest worked through the profits of the company. And that's how I got the company for $2. And so what did you do? Like, what, what, what did you do to turn it around? And how many people do you have today? Yeah, so we got 27 today. Um, and so my first year, I mean, I, I actually made it worse. Um, you know, I read this book called Let My People Go. Well, you can only take it from $2 in value to zero. So I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, touche. But um, I read this book called Let My People Go Surfing. And it's from the Patagonia founder. It's a great book. But I, I took it too literally. I was like, oh, yeah, let my people go surfing. So like yeah, I'm not going to show up to the office anymore. You know, don't micromanage people, let them do their thing. Yeah. And so well, I stopped showing up to the office and and then, um, you know, people would tell me like all this, all the stuff that was going on, you know, people that were gossiping and all that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all my fault, right? It's, it's, I made these decisions. And um, so we dropped all the way down to one employee and my outside accounting firm called and said, Hey, it might be time to shut it down. And um, I almost accepted a job. I was basically about to move to Dallas to take that job. And um, I decided, I was like, dude, I, I can't do this. No, I have to keep going. And so I kept going. And then um, we were lucky enough to start referring the leads out because our organic traffic started to grow. And um, you know, we were, we were able to then parlay that into, we're like, okay, these other agencies can't really retain the client. So why don't we just try it again? So we, we converted the agency over to running paid media, specifically for SaaS companies and tech companies. And then from there, we never looked back. And then now that's led to, by the way, my thesis has always been, to not do the agency long-term, but to take the cash flows from the agency and go reinvest it to more durable or exponential sources of revenue. That was always the thesis when I took it over. It's not to build uh, a traditional agency because it's just not what I'm interested in. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's a hard life. Now, in the, in the midst of this, you you started hosting two podcasts, which is uh, you host one with, with Neil and then the other leveling up, which I know ties to your book. When did you decide to sort of shift from marketing to, you know, growth and, and business and, and life advice? Yeah, I think um, right away. I mean, so when I first took over Single Grain, um, I started this podcast called Growth Everywhere. And by the way, I would say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, total stupid move from my side, because 
the first year I was doing a podcast, I was only getting nine downloads a day and I was spending six hours a week on it. After the second year, and by the way, I was trying to save single brain at the same time. After the second year, only 30 downloads a day, right? So anybody would have been like, you're an idiot. You should have given up. So there's a lot of these things that I, I put in play. So trying to grow the blog, trying to grow the podcast while trying to save the company. Anyway, don't recommend doing that. I recommend staying focused. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, I, I think your question is around, you went from marketing to, to life advice. I The first podcast was called Growth Everywhere before I renamed it to Leveling Up. Because for me, if you're to strip me down to my essence, I just love to learn and then I like to teach to articulate my my learnings. And so, you know, that's what it is. I love talking to amazing people like you. I've had you on the podcast. Um, I just like getting different perspectives. I like hearing about different trends. This is why I like love Clubhouse. I get so many different perspectives. And so that's what it was. I was optimizing for the learnings and that's what kept me going. And it was optimizing for the relationships. And that's what's led to, you know, everything that we have right now. It's because of that hunger to continue to, to learn and, and teach. So Clubhouse keeps coming up all the time now. It's exploded. I see it everywhere. Billion dollar valuation. Tell everyone, you've been all over this early. Like what is Clubhouse and how should people either engage as a, as a creator or sort of a consumer? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, Clubhouse, um, I didn't get the hype initially. I was like, this is stupid. Um, but I did it's not, not either, but it's, it's actually social, social media. That's how I would define it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Basically, it's it's an audio first social app that forces you to engage, right? Right. And you can't stand idle too long. Sure, you can kind of you know stand idle in a, in a big room and try to farm followers, but you're gonna get the most value by speaking your truth and then having certain people follow you, and then you can build you know clubs around it. So that's kind of the essence of it. But I think it's really strong because these micro interactions I've had with people, I'm just going to share some stories. We'll, we'll do it in the spirit of yeah. EO and YPO Gestalt. Um, so look. I am trying to improve up my Mandarin as, as an example. So I joined some Mandarin rooms and then um, my friend who's a white guy, by the way, speaking fluent Mandarin, I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and he speaks better than me. And I'm listening to all these other people speaking and I start looking at their names. I'm like, what? They're all Japanese people. I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? Right. And I'll join some other rooms. So leveling up is kind of tied to the, the esports world a little bit. And there's all these esports people in there. There's people that work at Capcom, Xbox, you know, all these Riot games, all these big companies. I'm just listening to them and learning, right? And then I'll hop into other rooms or I'll throw my own rooms on business and marketing. And you just, you're able to network. The benefit here is you're able to network at scale, right? Like with this book right now, I was booked on 30 podcasts just by hanging out in Clubhouse. I'm not asking people. You just build these relationships. It leads to collaborations. These little micro interactions go a long way. So we don't have conferences right now. This is the way to do it. And the other room with uh, Elon Musk the other day, you know, 6,000 people showed to that room. There's overflow and all these other people start making rooms just to listen to that room. Is there a max for the room? It's, it's 5,000 right now. So imagine it this way, right? From a, from a marketer's perspective, if you get 5,000 people in a room, how much would you be paying for that if you're trying to, you know, get webinar signups, right? Maybe $50,000. As I explained to someone yesterday, it's like having a webinar, but then all these other people just join, like you don't have to market, they don't have to know in advance, they find it in real time yeah. and just join. The voice aspect, again, it's like, again, you and me connecting right now, it's a longer conversation, but just listening to how someone thinks, how real are they? Do you want to interact with them afterwards? Like you can just immediately DM them. And because you, you two interacted, it's like they're much more likely to respond to. So when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, 
even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. Yeah, it's it's blowing up. If, if if you haven't checked it out, like this is the thing you're gonna hear about. And you know, the adults are getting to it faster than the kids. So uh you want to be ahead of it. Well, let's switch to your book uh coming out this week, leveling up. Uh so what was the goal for writing the book? And when when was this the book you intended to write, or or did you start with something else? Yeah, um, so I started the book about six years ago. And so, so when people are telling me in the early days, it's like, yeah, it's going to take you five to seven years. I'm like, oh, please, no, you know, I'm fast, right? And it actually is like, yeah, you're going to go through like, you know, five to seven revisions. I went through seven revisions. Um, so the message I think is the most important thing because I think people need to understand that gaming creates leaders, just like sports, which is a game. Sports creates leaders too. It's the same thing. People tend to dismiss something as a toy initially. You look at Snap, you look at Bitcoin. You look at esports, it was dismissed initially, and now people can't help but, you know, you have to acknowledge it. And I, I think you have over 3 billion people in the world that have played games that have felt this growing up, and they need to understand that they can make a big impact on the world, right? It's it's the same stuff you're learning that will, it, when you play games, you're basically going into a shadow world to train. Um, same thing with sports, you're going to train, but you can't stay in that world forever. You got to come out, and then you got to go make an impact on the world, right? So I think business is the ultimate game. You don't have to play it, but there's levels to everything, right? You don't deserve to go to the next level until you beat the current level. And so you have people complaining about their circumstances all the time. It's like, dude, you just got to level up slowly 1% every single day and you'll get there. Yeah. And so I know in the book you have uh, 15 power-ups as you call them. I I don't want to give away the whole book, but share like one or two of your kind of favorite ones and the ones you think that can help people the most. Totally. And by the way, like when you think about it, the, the essence of this book is really about going out, collecting great habits or collecting great mental models or tools. 
And so the 15 power-ups are really just the beginning, right? And let's say, Rob, you go out there, you swing a sword around for a while. After you keep using the sword, the durability goes down and you have to sharpen it, right? So there's certain things that you have to continue to sharpen after you acquire them. One of the power-ups that's really stuck with me is thievery, right? That's the chapter. And um, It's a good name, yeah. People, like, most people will tend to react to something and say, well, thievery, like I'll never steal anything. Like I, I'm very original. Right. And then you have people like Picasso that are like, you know, great artists steal. And you have people like Steve jobs that are like, everything in life is a remix. I mean, look at what the um, Xerox, when they took the mouse and they took the, the GUI. Right. Right. And so that chapter, I remember when I was about 12 years old, I was playing that game EverQuest. I was competing for a championship. You know, you had to basically show that you're the best on the server. Right. So it was one-on-one duels, one-on-one fights with people. I got destroyed in preliminaries because I didn't have a strategy. But then I saw someone else that was executing perfectly. I was like, oh, I just need to iterate on that one a little bit. Boom, I swept everyone else. I won the championship. And at that moment, I was just like, dude, like, I think I can just iterate on what other people are doing. <laughs> like That moment was the aha moment for me. And when you look at business, it's the same thing. We're building on the shoulder of Titans, right? And you know, we're just trying to iterate just a little bit, one step at a time. And um, you know, that's our life. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of the best people, you know, we know Vern Harnish and said this, but, but content where he's just, he's integrated all of this stuff and packaged it in a framework or a way to make it accessible. You know, none of it was new. And and I think there are, there are constantly ways to pull things together in new and different ways. Very few things are actually totally new. Yep. hundred percent. I mean, dude, I mean, even if you look at SpaceX rockets, right, the first principles, it looks exactly like a rocket, but they iterate. I'm not, trying to oversimplify this, yeah. but they're just rockets that can come back. So yeah, it's going back to back to the beginning. In fact, I actually think like Apple's the exception to this uh, I've seen, but when something is actually like too new and it doesn't have any familiarity with people, it actually tends to struggle. I think Apple's one of the few things companies that's really good at saying, we're going to push this forward. You don't know that you need it, but we're going to give it to you. That is actually not been a playbook for success for most organizations. People have to understand it. They've got to know it. It's got to feel a little bit familiar to them. Yeah, I think they're they're just so good at understanding user experience first and their brand is so strong they just have to trust them. So Yeah, exactly. All right, so Eric, what's next for you? Do you think, uh, are you going to stay in, in marketing? Uh, I know, we know you want to get out of, a, of an agency. Are you going to build products? Or are you going to go into more of kind of personal growth and leadership? Yeah, great question. I, I think so. Ultimate goal is to just, you know, buy and grow businesses. Uh, just, just I'll stay within the marketing world always. And I'll, I think I'll probably always keep the agency because uh, pre-call, we talked about how um, I think it's a great training ground for for people, you know, to take it from to the next level, right? You can take people literally, I think the stuff that we do, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but I, I learned a lot of the marketing stuff I, I know now in the first three months. So I, I think there's going to be a big reskilling that needs to happen, but you can easily teach people zero to 12 weeks, you know, zero to job ready. That's what I'm super excited about long-term. It's to kind of level up the world um, through marketing. And um, other than that, I just want to kind of jump around and, and contribute, right? So if there's stuff to teach, I'm happy to do that. But I think the essence of it is I just want to, you know, buy and grow marketing businesses. So uh, interesting that you said that. Why, why do you think that marketing is such an important tool for leveling up? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I'll, I'll kind of refer back to an anecdote. My my friend, um, he said this to me a couple of years ago. He, so investment banking background, you know, did Goldman Sachs, you know, he helped take a company public and he was looking at everything I was doing. He's like, dude, this is exactly like when we we're playing Starcraft and playing all these games growing up. This is exactly a game. And so for me, it works out perfectly because 
when I think about whether it's marketing, you can jump around, right? So we can talk about affiliate marketing a little bit. We can talk about email marketing. We can talk about copywriting. There's so many elements to it that it just, there's, it's a puzzle. It's fun. Same thing with business. There's so many elements. One second, we can be talking about culture. One second, we can be talking about finance, recruiting. You can jump around. Like when you are a great marketer or let's say you're a great founder, you have options and you don't, you're not going to get bored. And I think that's the key thing for people. I think most people are most people because they get bored and they don't think they can take it to the next level. But I think, you know, when you realize your potential, it's, it's really limitless. And um, yeah, you should be able to, you know, make the most of your potential. Who do you look at from a marketing standpoint and say, these guys do a great job? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I more so look at the business people. I study the business yeah. people more than I study the marketing people. And let me tell you why. When I'm in Clubhouse, as an example, when I go into some of those marketing rooms and there's like these millionaire rooms, you can tell that they're very optimized for the short term. So they just want to make money, right? Yeah. The, the problem with that is they don't think about the user experience. They don't think about people. They're very good at acquisition, but they're terrible at retention, right? What does that say about their psyche? But when you're talking with other people, let's say could be in these tech rooms where they're not so focused on optimizing for the cash, they're focused on the long term, uh, those conversations become a lot more interesting. And so for business people, I'm kind of changing or redirecting the question is I like looking at what Constellation software is doing with their acquisitions. I like- Yeah, you know, from Canada. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I love what Berkshire Hathaway is doing. I like what Tiny Capital is doing. I like what Vista Equity Partners is doing as well. Um, those are interesting to me. They, they have different models, but um, I just like the way they think, right? I think I'm more interested in finding people that think differently to kind of constantly challenge my perspectives. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. I just thought of like, I get a lot of pitches to come on the show and, you know, one or two times I've gone against my better judgment, you know, someone who's sort of a marketing guru and it's just, yep. they see coming on as just selling, like as a commercial. <laughs> and yep. you can usually tell from the website, you know, it's popping up, it's trying to sell you things, like it's not trying to demonstrate expertise. And yeah, there's, look, that's why a lot of marketers get a bad name, right? I think people gravitate towards that crowd, which just feels like, look, we just want to sell you the thing. We don't care if you like it. <laughs> And that's the thing. Like, that's why I don't want to be known as a marketer. I just want to be known as a, as a teacher long-term. Like, sure, like marketing is one of the, the canvas that I like to play with. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think, again, marketers get a bad rap. And I think, you know, you, you and me, we definitely got to change that. So, Yeah. So, um, well, I, I always like to ask this as, as a last question. Um, what's a personal or professional mistake that you've made that you think you've learned the most from? Yeah, I mean... I think in the early days, I was talking to someone from my team earlier and then he asked a good question. He's like, you know, what would it be like if Eric Sue just focused in the early days? Like, that's a question I wondered. That's what he said, right? Hmm. And then I was like, look, if we're gonna go back in time, when I first took over uh, Single Grain, um, would I do what I did? No, definitely not. Like, you know, trying to do multiple things, like the podcast, you know, reviving the blog and all that. Yeah. But do I regret it? Definitely not. So I think if I were to go back in time, I think it's just, you know, it's focus at the end of the day and not trying to do too many things at once. Cause I actually think I, I tried starting a senior living business while I was trying to do those other things too. So it's just, yeah, focus. Did that help you? I mean, it's tricky. I mean, that might've helped you sort of figure out what you liked and what you wanted to do. But I, I as someone who's involved in marketing, would you advise companies to just focus on one or two channels? Like it'd be better right now to just put all your energy into clubhouse and do it well, than try to have someone do a little Twitter, a little Instagram, a little clubhouse, little Snapchat. Yeah. Like I, I see everyone trying to check the box and being one tenth in any of these things doesn't seem to get great results. I totally agree with that. I think it's, um, 
by the way, we have to consider like for the people listening, what makes a lot of sense. If you're B2B, LinkedIn organic reach is great, right? If we think about your B2C, TikTok organic reach, Reels, uh, YouTube shorts is great. Um, but I think it's to your point, it's nailing it first and then scaling it. So can you get one channel to a hundred thousand or a million first? Nail and scale. I, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's totally what it is. Don't try to do too many things at once. And uh, final thing I'll say is, you know, those of you that are wondering about, I get this question a lot. Oh, should I start with SEO? I would not start with SEO in today's day and age because it's super competitive. Try to find things that have good organic reach, but I digress. So when you mean organic reach, you mean like people or partners or how do you mean that? Yeah. So I, I'm more so referring to discoverability, right? Got so it, when it. you think about YouTube, like if you're not going to do a podcast starting from scratch today, super hard discoverability wise, but yeah. we have a shot. If we get it up on YouTube, good title, good thumbnail, and we stay consistent. Um, same thing with TikTok or, you know, these other shorts. Great. All right, Eric, where can people learn more about you, your podcast and your book? Yeah. Um, so you can go to levelingup.com or your favorite online retailer to um, pick up the book. Um, and you, you definitely appreciate that. And then you can reach out to me on Twitter, Clubhouse, or Instagram at Eric O-S-I-U. All right. Well, Eric, thanks for uh, sharing your story with us. Um, you're definitely uh, always on the forefront of, of marketing and, and leadership. So uh, it's great to hear what you're up to. Thanks for having me, man. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Eric and his new book and all his information on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.